Not many of you should presume to be teachers, James says, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's not fair, is it? But serious, we will be judged more strictly. Please note verse 2. We all stumble in many ways, all of us, in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, then he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And there's not one of us. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, then rather facetiously, James says, well, then he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Then he illustrates it. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. We'll take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be so. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? Brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring forth from fresh water. The tongue. It's a troublesome little thing, isn't it? How about I pray because I have to speak about the tongue. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words that come out of my mouth be acceptable to you and be accurate according to your standards and your word. Heavenly Father, place a guard over our lips that we might not offend, that we might not hurt, but rather teach us and train us to be instruments of righteousness, not only but especially in the way that we speak. Lord, speak to us that we may speak righteously to others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Proverbs obviously points us to a right relationship with God and therefore points us to the Lord Jesus. He is the one who is greater than Solomon. He is the one who fulfills these words, these instructions about being wise. Jesus is the one who points the way to wisdom. And so if we want our tongues to be controlled, it'll only come about as we submit ourselves to the lordship of the Lord Jesus. The book of Proverbs deals with all different sorts of topics. We've spoken about some of these. It has a lot to say about friendships, relationships, um, how we treat our spouses, our neighbours, even how we are to respond to enemies and to seducers and even to those in authority over us, to kings. It outlines for us our responsibilities to the needy. It talks about our work ethic. But it has the most to say about our mouths, about our tongues, 150 times approximately. It talks about us talking. God has a lot to say about what we say. Uh, Our ability to speak is a gift from him. And that's why the book of Proverbs outlines for us very clearly, Proverbs 18 verse 21, death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. Tongue has power. Somebody once described the tongue as being a dynamite in your dentures. Our words can be good and they can be destructive. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Or in 15 verse 4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. But a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Crushes the spirit. So we can use our tongue for good or for evil. It can be used for healing, for good, to encourage, to speak the truth. Proverbs will talk about even restraining our use of words. We'll talk about that quickly this morning. But it also emphasises and have a strong emphasis upon the negative, about our tongues being destructive and being warned about that, that we can damage and hurt others. We can speak too hastily. We can lie. We can gossip, even flattery. Boasting, profanity, quarrelling, mocking, even speaking too much. Proverbs addresses, or especially critical cutting remarks. How's your present speaking habits? I don't know how often we speak a day, but one writer said that we speak something like 700 different times a day. It's a lot, isn't it? Somebody else has calculated that if you took all of the words that we uttered in one day and wrote them all down, we would have something like about 50 typed pages. My goodness. And that if you put all of those pages together, that you would have 90 books by the end of the year of about 200 pages each. That's obviously the women. Now, for the men. <laughs> See? The tongue. We can say silly, frivolous, and we don't need to, do we? I have not mastered mine. It is a lifelong exercise in control. Let me ask you some honest questions. Have you ever hurt someone with a careless word? Have you ever hurt someone with a poor attempt at humour? Ever shared a rumour or a secret? And then it turned out to be untrue? Ever joined in gossip? Ever slandered anybody? Maybe even out of spite? Well, I put my hand up and say I've done all of those things. I suspect most of us, if not all of us, have. The goal, obviously, is to do it less and less. The ultimate goal is not do it at all. But as James says, this is an ongoing battle. It's a wrestle. It's, and that's why the Bible repeatedly talks about it. Words are very powerful. Did you know that every word in Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, every word, uh, for every word in that book, 125 people died in World War II. Well, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why James compares the tongue to a destroying fire, to, to a dangerous animals, and to deadly poison. If I want to summarise very quickly for you the book of Proverbs, uh, when it talks about speech, it says, firstly, speech is a gift from God. Speech can be used for good. Speech can be used for evil. And only God can help us to use our speech for good. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, there are four things particularly for us to watch. Our tone, our, that our words are timely, that our words are thoughtful, and that our words are true. That sort of summarises it a little bit. And there are lots that is not encapsulated by that summary. Watch our tone, watch the timing, make sure we're thoughtful, and make sure it's true. Words are a gift. 
God is the one who gave us the gift. God is the creator who spoke creation into being. As he speaks and made us in his image, so we speak. It's an incredible miracle. It's so common amongst us, we forget what a marvellous gift it is, particularly watching a child or a grandchild learning to speak. They imitate, they learn, and before long they're communicating. It matters to God how we speak, how we communicate, how we use this ability. He's got lots to say about it, as I've already said. It's high on his priority list that we are very careful about this. And so here is a verse, a memory verse, Ephesians 4.29. You might want to try and memorise this or write it down to learn it. Because uh, this encapsulates um, the whole teaching, I think. Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And so it will benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, thoughtful, but only what is helpful for building others up, true, and according to their needs, timely. And so it will benefit those who listen. No unwholesome words. Only what's going to be helpful, what's going to impart grace, what's going to build up. So words are a gift from God that we need to be aware of and to speak as before his throne, aware that we are going to give accounts for it, and teachers especially will be judged more strictly. We need to watch our tone to move on. Chapter 15, verse 1 of Proverbs. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. It's true, isn't it? Someone's angry, answer softly. Gentleness can diffuse an explosive situation. Harshness only worsens it. I know, I've done it. And so have you, probably. Part of my sinful nature is that if someone rears up on me, I have a natural instinct to rear back. And I'm not alone. And that's a something, a weakness for me, that I have to continually work on um, and find people's forgiveness in the times I've done it. Researchers, you'll be, you won't be surprised by this, researchers in a speech research unit in University of the United States in Ohio, they said, discovered, that people tend to reply the way they are addressed. Somebody whispers to you, you tend to whisper back. Eventually you say, why are we whispering? <laughs> Ever had that experience? Someone yells at you or raises the voice at you, what do you do? Well, you arc up a bit, don't you? You sort of answer back. Effort is required to not do so. They found that research over... Uh, particularly over the phone when people were ringing them, the researchers asking questions in all different sorts of tones and ways. We need to watch our tone. Uh, Proverbs 16 verse 24 says, Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. Pleasant words make us feel better. And the tone in which we deliver them, they bring comfort and encouragement. Not only our tone, but we need to watch the timing of it. It's always too late after, to lock the door after the horse is bolted, isn't it? Lock the gate. Hasty words, Proverbs 29, verse 20. See a man with hasty words, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Just like arrows that are shot from a bow, you, you can't get it back. So the cure is don't speak hastily. This is an area that I am trying to work on. Um, so it's in emails, for instance, and you may have had this experience. Someone very wisely said to me once, if you get an email and that's it, angry and you get angry and you write an email back, don't send it. Wait 24 hours. And just not recently, but certainly sometime this year, I had that experience and someone sent me something and, 
Uh, They went in this church, so everybody can breathe a sigh of relief. And I got miffed. So I wrote a reply. And then I remembered, don't send it. Wait till the next day. And I'm usually careful in what I say and how I write. And and so I wrote this. I was angry, but I was still thinking and processing and putting the words down carefully. And I said, okay, I'll leave that till the next day. And I read it the next day and I went, oh my goodness, that's a bit strong. I don't think I'll... I don't think I'll say it like that. I'll say it this way. It's amazing. We can speak hastily and we can do damage. George Bernard Shaw once sent to Sir... um, Winston Churchill and George Bernard Shaw was, they were a little bit narky with each other. Shaw, who just developed a new play, sent him two tickets with a little note, which wasn't necessary, but a little note which says, uh, two tickets for you, please bring a friend if you have one. (laughs) Churchill's reply, I'll wait till the second night if there is one. (laughs) Jab, jab. Not necessary, is it? Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Timely. Think before you speak. If we open our mouth too quickly in all different sorts of situations to make a promise, to make a commitment, to draw a conclusion, or to give a witty retort, these can all become reasons that we will live to regret, and that regret can last for some time. Proverbs 15.23, how good is a timely word? A timely word. We need to watch the timing, particularly if we have to speak correction or rebuke into another brother's person's life. Watch the timing. Not just giving vent to our feelings and our timetable, but when is this going to be the best time? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. Time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance. There is a time to keep silent. And there is a time to speak, verse 7. Timely. Alan Redpath wrote what I thought is a very helpful um, acrostic. Before you speak, think. There are lots of these, but this is uh, the best one I came across. Think, T-H-I-N-K. Before I speak, think. T, is it true? If it's not true, don't say it. H, is it helpful? Do I need to say this to this person? And if it's not going to be helpful to them, don't say it. T-H-I, is it inspiring? Is it encouraging, uplifting? Does it impart grace? Is it positive? Is it inspiring? If it isn't, don't say it. N, is it necessary? Do I need to say this? Does this person need to know this? And if it's not necessary... Don't say it. K is kind. Is it kind? So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? It's going to be very quiet at morning tea this morning, isn't it? I think that's clever and I was impressed with it. The difficulty with that is, you know, you're going to be sitting there and someone's talking to you and you're going to be going through this. It's going to take too long. So just simplify it. Before you speak, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? That'll do. You can do the five if you like. Is it true? Because if it's not true, don't say it. Is it kind? If it's not kind, don't say it. 
Don't say unkind things. And is it necessary? Do I have to say this? Proverbs 25 verse 11, you'll know this one. Words aptly spoken are like apples of gold in settings of silver. Thoughtful. Apples of gold. Gold is uh, valuable, precious, universally valuable. And it's apples of gold. It's been shaped and, and, and crafted. It's been formed into a very pleasing uh, appearance. And it's in a setting of silver. It's in a setting which is presenting and making it right. That's what apt words are like. That when we speak correctly, it's like apples of gold in settings of silver. Suitable, appropriate. It's easy to talk about this stuff, isn't it? This is God's standard and he's concerned. He, this matters to him. So, watch your tone. Watch the timing. Make sure it's thoughtful. And then finally, make sure it's true. This is where it's so easy to slip up. Proverbs 12 verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There are two ways that we can lie, two ways that we can not be speaking the truth. In the very serious situations, we can be giving false testimony. We're actually telling lies. They're untrue and we know they're untrue and we're doing it whether for self-preservation and for our own gain or for whatever reason. And Colossians 3.9 says, do not lie to one another. Speak the truth. Um, just a quick aside. I don't have any time really for any asides, but if someone... there's Being polite, socially, culturally polite, when someone says to you, how are you? and you say, I'm fine, when you're not, that's not classified as a lie in my book. That's culturally acceptable. You're not lying. They're asking you, they're just a form of greeting. It's like saying, good morning, and you say, good morning back. You're not entering into a full psychological, emotional disclosure of where you are at. I mean, if you do, try it. <laughs> try it at morning tea. Go up to somebody, and when somebody asks you, how are you, you tell them. Then watch their face. <laughs> they'll, they'll lose colour. They'll, they won't know what to do with I'm not asking that. You understand what I'm saying. There's a certain level of social politeness where we give this uh, greeting backwards and forwards. If you really want to go down to this level, then we, you, you have to ask another follow-up question. You know this. You do it in the culture. How are you? I'm fine. Are you really fine? Now you're asking... And that's where the truth does kick in. That's where you say, well, actually, no, I'm not fine. Um, but if it's OK, I don't want to talk about it. All right? right? It needs to be true. We need to watch our truth. The second way, that was false testimony. The other way is uh, slander or gossip. The rumours that we hear about others and we're passing it on. Um, what is gossip? <clears throat> It's something you would say about somebody behind their back that you would not say to their face. Does it matter if it's true or not? No. It's something you were saying about another person, true or not, behind their back, and it's with the intent to hurt, to harm, to denigrate, to run down, to pass on bad stuff. Flattery is the opposite of that. Flattery is where... What you say to a person's face, you would never say behind their back. And Proverbs kicks in on that. Proverbs 16.20 says that gossip separates close friends. It's destructive. Watch what you say. Proverbs 26.20, without, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, 
A quarrel dies down. Well, then what do you do? Because the reality is we all like gossip. We all like to hear things, don't we? Proverbs 18 verse 8 acknowledges that. The words of a gossip are like choice meals. They go down to the innermost parts. Yum, yum. <laughs> what can we do? <clears throat> well, number one, the second best thing to do is to refuse to repeat it. If you do find yourself in a situation where somebody is telling you something about somebody else and it's unsavoury, it's not helpful, it's running them down, the best thing you can do is choose to not repeat it. That's the second best thing. The best thing you can do is more difficult. It's to refuse to hear it. That when somebody starts talking about somebody else who is not present, just to stop them. Sorry, no, don't want to hear it. Don't want to engage in that. I think that's more difficult, but it's better. Because it communicates, particularly in a church community, it communicates we don't do that round here. That would be a value that I would love for us as a church to embrace. Proverbs 17 verse 14 reminds us that when we do listen to gossip, this is the second best way, when we do allow another person to gossip to us, that God in fact will hold us accountable as participating in it. Even if we are committed to not passing it on, to actually hear it means that we are tolerating it, accepting it, sharing in it. Unless you're going to say something to the person. Unless you ask, how do you know? Why are you saying this? Go and tell the person you're talking about this. They're all tough calls, but that's the way that we are to behave together. That's what God looks for amongst us. So be very careful in what you listen to. That's... Make sure it's true. Our words matter. Proverbs 25:18, still on the topic of lying. God says this: "Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Our words can be quite destructive. And Proverbs 6 certainly tells us that there are six things that God hates. No, seven and two of them are a lying tongue and a false witness. Make sure our words are true. As I said right at the beginning, we talk a lot. That's part of the way that God has made us. Um, but we probably talk too much. book of Proverbs invites us, 10 verse 19. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 21, verse 23, whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Just like David, so we'll pray. Lord, put a guard over the, the door of my mouth. Keep watch over my lips. Psalm 141. Let me finish with this. Have you heard the story, the fable of the king and his chef, his menu? The king went to his chef one day and he said to him, could you please prepare for me the best dish in the world? The chef went away and he did and he came back and he brought tongue. Tongue. Anybody here like tongue? There'd be some. Sick individuals. <laughs> the tongue, see? Not necessary. My dad loves tongue. So the king ate that and enjoyed it. Then he said to him, now I want you to prepare for me the worst dish in the world. You know where this is going, don't you? He brought him a dish of tongue. The king was a bit confused and he said, how come it's the same dish? Why did you bring me, why is this dish the best and the worst? And the chef said, 
Your Majesty, the tongue is the best when it is used wisely and lovingly, but it is the worst when it is used carelessly and unkindly. You know that. The book of Proverbs teaches that. And God is reminding all of us, watch our tone. Watch the timing. Make sure we're being thoughtful. And make sure we're speaking the truth. Be true. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of speech. You're a God who speaks and you have sent us to speak your truth to others. Lord, we've been reminded this morning that you are very concerned about how we speak. We pray that you might assist us, that you might forgive us for the times where we have spoken inappropriately, hurtfully, where we've passed on stories that we shouldn't have, where we've said the wrong thing, heard the wrong thing and done nothing. All of these sins, Lord, please forgive us. Help us to be better at letting no unwholesome words come out of our mouth, but only such as going to be of benefit and build up and edify one another, that it might give grace to all who hear. Heavenly Father, be glorified in our speech. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.